welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. We're starting a new series today, which I'm super excited about. As you can see behind me, it's called Eat This Book. So I want to just start with a couple of questions. What is Eat This Book? Why Eat This Book? And then what's in a name? And then we'll jump into my task this morning, which is a no small feat uh, of Genesis 1-11 to in one short sermon. Um, so what is Eat This Book? Essentially, this is a chronological year in the Bible. Um, so for the next, I was doing some calculating, and actually it's going to be about 40 weeks uh, between with Easter and Christmas and Lent and Advent and all that other kind of stuff. We're going to be in this series for about 40 weeks, and for all of you who know anything about pregnancy, it's not actually nine months, it's 40 weeks. Uh, and so I was thinking about this, and my hope and prayer as we do this, as we journey, as we gather, and as we kind of uh, do this together, that something will be birthed in us, that a love for the scriptures, a love for this story uh, that when we're done, that there will be something alive and breathing and uh, something ab- about us towards God's, God's word. So that's kind of my hope. Why eat this book? Uh, really, I hope that um, we learn to love this thing. Um, there's a number of values over here. Uh, these are things that we want to keep at the center of Awaken as we progress as a community, and one of them is Jesus. Uh, I figure the only way you can gather a group of people with a lot of different diverse uh, opinions and backgrounds about all kinds of numbers of theological, political, whatever kinds of things is to keep Jesus at the center, and this is the story about Jesus. So that's what we're going to try and do this, this, uh, in this series. Uh, and I hope that you're encouraged to read the Bible. Uh, I'm going to put a link up on the screen. I have a friend in, who used to be in Madison. He's now in Portland, a uh, member of a large teaching pastor at a large church with tons of resources and tons of really talented people, we've stolen, okay? On the record, we have stolen the idea, the title, and any of the resources you'd like. It's blackhawkchurch.org. Do we have that in there? Oh, no, maybe not. Okay, if you write, write things down, it's blackhawkchurch.org. There's all kinds of things. Yeah, oh, you guys know about this. Yeah, it's from Madison. Um, yeah, just dynamite. My buddy Tim is uh, amazing. On there, there's a couple of things. If you have an iPhone, um, there's a, a, a plan uh, through version or a Droid uh, that you can download, and it's just like a day-by-day uh, biblical reading, and it'll send you like a text, hey, read this today. So if you're into that, you want to read the Bible in a year, that's available. Um, what? <laughs> Band pants, that's great. <laughs> I want blackhawkchurch.org on the screen, people, not band pants. Gosh, you're... F- <clears throat> Let's turn on my lights so I can see what I'm trying to say here. So there's uh, uh, that. There are, there's this cool thing that Tim does called the Bible in Five. So if you follow along in the reading, you'll be in Genesis for like this week. And Tim does these little videos of Genesis in, a, in five minutes and just kind of lays it out. Really, really thoughtful. Um, the guy is brilliant, and I have a ton of respect for him. So if you're interested in any of those links, just blackhawkchurch.org, root around in their site, steal their stuff, okay? Um, I hope that uh, as, we, as we progress that we have like a common knowledge for the stories of the Bible. Uh, stats would say that progressive uh, or increasingly there is just a lack of knowledge about the, the, the general big kind of epic stories of the Bible, like who is Joseph and what's the Exodus or uh, who's Moses and what happens at the burning bush. So those kinds of things. I hope that when we're done, you have like a, a base of knowledge that you can read the Bible and say, okay, I know where I am because knowing where you are is a, is, is a, a hundred steps in the right direction towards being able to actually figure out what does this mean or how do I read it. Um, and then lastly, um, this is like a, something we're doing as a whole church. So if you have kids, um, 
you have, uh, these are available, this is dynamite, by the way. The, the, the illustrations in this book are absolutely breathtaking. I can't wait to do this with my kids. Um, beautiful. So the kids are going to be doing the same thing that we're doing each week. Parents, if you're interested, they're going to have like a little response time. Uh, it's called God's Message, so they'll hear the story. They'll be able to respond, draw, that kind of thing. And if you want to, we put these little books together so you can have just like a journey of your child through the scriptures. Uh, and these are available for 10 bucks. They're not cheap. You can get them per family or per kid, whatever you want to do. Um, and hopefully, um, our commitment to and our conviction that parents, you are the primary investors in your kids' spiritual lives. So we want you to be, hopefully there's some common denominators that you can actually converse about with your kids. So all that good stuff. Um, what's in a name? Eat this book. So uh, I have a friend, a rabbi just up the road. Hopefully she's going to come. We're trying to work out a date and talk a little bit more about this. But evidently, when the rabbis would teach the Torah, uh, obviously the the Hebrew scriptures are written in Hebrew. And uh, when they would teach the little boys and girls the Torah, uh, they would write the letters in honey. And then when they learned the letters, they would actually let the kids eat the honey. And the connection was that uh, the honey is obviously sweet. And this connection between studying Torah and honey on your lips uh, becomes this, this custom in, in ancient Judaism. And it's this beautiful thing. So what's in a name? Eat this book. We're hoping that um, we learn that the Bible can actually be fun. The Bible can be interesting. The Bible isn't boring and outdated and some sort of archaic book that has all kinds of things that we don't necessarily do anymore. Uh, I think that there's life here, and I hope that as we, we do this, uh, we find that that's true. All right? You guys, are you in? Hope so, because it's going to be a long ride. But... Uh, <laughs> Lots, I mean, there's like a billion different ways to do this, and, uh, and so here's my task this week. Uh, we're, we're talking about creation, and I have the small task of Genesis 1 to 11 in one week. So I want to just kind of map out a couple of things here for us as we begin. If we're talking about creation, that begins here. There's really like nine um, kind of major themes or stories one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Perfect, great. So uh, just chapter by chapter, and then I want to uh, try to, as best I can, say, is there one theme, is there one thing that rises up out of this text? So Genesis 1 and 2 is the story of creation, the Hebrew uh, poem in chapter 1, and then 2, it's basically told in another version or another, another way. Chapter 3, we have uh, many people call it the fall. I like to call it the great deception because I think there's something about the language that we use when we talk about the fall that I don't necessarily, um, I want to provoke a little bit and I'll tease that out today. Um, chapter four is uh, Cain and Abel, the great story of Cain and Abel, two brothers, one, uh, one brother kills the other over offering and this uh, epic kind of human story. Chapter five, I have to make sure I get this right here. Um, chapter five is Adam to Noah, it's basically a genealogy from Adam to Noah and what happens from Adam to Noah. And that's kind of where we're going today is, is essentially what this story is talking about. Chapter 6 is bizarre. Let's just call it out. It's totally bizarre. There are these random things called the Nephilim. <laughs> I'm not going to try to tackle that today, just so you know. Uh, it's pretty crazy. But it basically talks about... Uh, Here's what happens when humanity goes full tilt in this direction, and things go totally crazy. And of course, you know, in, in chapters 7 and 8, you have the great flood of Noah. Chapter 9, you have uh, this covenant, right, the rainbow, the first rainbow, the covenant that God makes with Noah. And then in, uh, in chapter 10, you basically have Noah's kids, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Anybody pregnant? Looking for good names? There you go. 
Japheth. And then chapter 11 is, of course, the great story of the Tower of Babel. Anybody see that movie with Brad Pitt? Babel? You didn't like it? Oh, I really liked it. I really did. We'll talk later. <laughs> I'll convince you why it's a good movie. Um, so this is Genesis 1 to 11. And uh, as you can see, lots of stories, creation, deception, Cain and Abel, Noah, Nephilim, the flood, the whole deal. And, I, and as I'm reading this and I'm kind of processing and trying to get at like, okay, where are we going today? How can we tackle this? What, what really happens? Uh, are, there any, are there any things that sort of like rise up out of each of these stories? Are there any common threads? Are there any common denominators? That's about as far as my math goes. Hated fractions. Are, but are there any common denominators in this text? And this is when... Like this song just burst forth out of the creative landscape and it just tackled me like a testosterone-filled junior hire. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. That was awesome. There were five bands there. Can anyone name? Obviously, the, the original was Fleetwood Mac, but any of the other bands that you heard? If I told you earlier, you can't play. Cranberries, that was one of them, yes. The Cranberries, that was track four. Wilson Phillips, yes! Way to go! That was track two. That was track two. The other, the other two are kind of tricky. Slayer, not quite, not quite Slayer. The first one was actually the, uh, it was Glee, totally ripped it up. Yeah, the cast of Glee, and then the uh, funky like uh, techno one was Boy George. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what does this have to do with today? Has everything to do with today? Here's where we're, here's here's how I want to I want to sort of unpack this today. If you look at these stories, all every single one of them, and you ask the question like, is there a common thread? Is there a theme that rises up out of these texts? I would submit to you that at least the first eleven chapters of the Bible, and one could probably argue that the entirety of the Hebrew Scriptures is desperately wanting to ask the question: What does it look like for humanity to go its own way? Maybe said differently, um, what does it mean for humanity to choose self? over other. Um, Luther says, what does it look like for, uh, what does the heart turned in on itself look like? And I want to submit that at least these stories, and, and again, one could argue probably the whole story of the Bible is asking this question, what does it look like, what does the heart turned in on itself look like? And in order to do that this morning, I'm going to ask just for a few moments that you suspend uh, any of the uh, literalist, biblicist, conservative, evangelical, or fundamentalist tendencies or lenses that you may have been um, uh, that you may have brought through the door. Not because any of them are inherently bad, not what I'm saying, but 
often these lenses, when we look at the text through them, they lead us down a path that I don't really want to go this morning. And, and I think um, I had an experience this week that really opened things up in a different way for me. And I want to try to uh, give that to you this morning in hopes that you maybe read the story in a little different uh, lens. So instead of reading it through that lens, I want to ask you to suspend some of those lenses we have and really try to understand it through a Hebrew lens, a Jewish lens. Uh, and I'm going to try as best I can to help you do that. So um, let's start here. I want to juxtapose two ideas. One is original sin, and the other is original inclination. So if you're not familiar, original sin, of course, is, uh, uh, we, we can look back all the way to Augustine in, uh, I think, third, fourth century-ish. And uh, the idea that, is, that, that basically... Sin goes through Adam, goes through my father, comes to me. So sin is this inherent thing that I'm born with. And some people would argue, uh, I think poorly, that it, it, I mean, like biologically, like there's actually through the semen of the father that sin somehow is transferred from one human to the next. Others would just argue it's a spiritual idea that the scriptures are working with. Um, That's original sin in a nutshell. And I want to juxtapose that idea with the idea of original inclination. And here's why. I'm sitting at lunch the other day at Teresa's right over here, this Mexican restaurant. And I have this little group of people that I get together with. One of them is a Jewish rabbi. Her name's Lynn. She's up at Beth Jacob on 110 here. A number of us just kind of like a, uh, it began as a, a dialogue between pe- pastors and clergy people and has just grown into a, a lovely friendship. Uh, so we're sitting there and somehow we get on the topic. I've got two Lutheran friends and myself and then Lynn. Somehow we get on the topic of uh, Genesis 3 and of course the idea of original sin because I coming from an evangelical background and my friends coming from a Lutheran reform background, original sin is, a, is something that we have uh, as, it's something that we would know about. So they start talking about, you know, I'm sitting here, Lynn's sitting here, these two are over here, they start talking about original sin and I'm watching Lynn's face, right? I'm watching this Jewish rabbi as she starts, I mean, it, would, it looked like we had just started smoking pot in a restaurant. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of like, at first perplexed and then like confused and then uh, like, what? And it dawned on me, maybe there's another way to read this text. And I started thinking like, okay, what does, what does a Jewish rabbi think is going on in Genesis 3? And so I just jumped in and I said, Lynn, can you, can you share, like at least with me and, and my friends here, like what, how do you read this or how would you read this and what's going on in Genesis chapter 3? And she begins to share. I want to introduce you to two terms. One of them is yetzer hara, and the other is yetzer hatov. Two Jewish phrases. Uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge is of tov and ra. Tov is good, ra is evil in Hebrew. Yetzer is this idea of an inclination or a disposition. So there are these two dispositions or inclinations that exist. Yetzer hara and yetzer hatov. Now, interestingly, one rabbi says this, Yetzer hara is not a demonic force that pushes a person to do evil, but rather a drive toward pleasure or property or security, which left, if left unlimited, can lead to evil. When properly controlled by the Yetzer Hatov, the good, the Yetzer hara leads to many socially desirable results, including marriage, business, and community. Um, she, goes on, she goes on to, to explain some of these, and she starts talking about bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, if you know about this, like when, when a Jewish person, young boy, uh, and I think it's actually girls as well, right? 
Yeah. Um, when they turn 13, they go through this thing. This is actually where this is connected from, and it comes from like an ancient text in the third century. But this guy says this. He says, Yetzer Hara is 13 years older than Yetzer Hatov. Okay, you tracking? Yetzer Hara, the, the evil inclination, it's 13 years older than Yetzer Hatov. Here's why. While still in the mother's womb, Yetzer Hara begins to develop in a person. But 13 years later, when Yetzer Hatov is born, when he violates Sabbath or she violates Sabbath, it rebukes him and says, airhead, literally, empty one, do you, don't you know that everyone who violates it will surely be put to death? Exodus 31, talking about the Sabbath. When, uh, if this person, this young lad is about to commit murder, it rebukes him, Yetzer Hatov, rebukes him and says, airhead, don't you know whoever sheds a man's blood, sheds a man's blood, will, by man will his blood be shed, Genesis 9. So this idea of bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah in the Jewish community is this idea of um, a, Jewish, a young Jewish boy or girl coming into their yetzer hatov. This, and here's, here's, the, here's the rub of it. Here's the nub. Um, both are present in humanity. Both are present in humanity. And so for my friend Lynn and millions of Jews through the ages, Genesis 3 is not necessarily a story about how humans end up sinful. Right? I mean, it's not a story about how uh, through my father it's passed on to me and ultimately connected to Adam that I'm born sinful. That's not what the story's about. The story is about the playing out of the possibilities that are inherently present in creation. That we have both of these inclinations and one, when left unchecked or unlimited by the good, the image of Godness in each of us, when Yetzer Havra is left unchecked or unlimited or not in balance with or submitted to what God has also put in us, then it runs its course. And what happens is we get Genesis 3, 4, 5, 7, 8, 10, 11. You tracking? So for Lynn, it's, it's not about this fundamental shift that happens in humans when we, as we often talk about original sin, um, it's not about a fundamental shift that happens. Like we suddenly have this need for salvation because we ate the cookie from the cookie jar or we told our first lie or something changes in us. That's not what the story's about for Lynn. And I just think this is fascinating. I want to offer it as a possibility for you to think about. Um, rather, it's a story about the need for God that we have that's existed from the beginning. Our desperate need to be in communion and, in, and connected to the creator who made us, which was always, always present. And when this inclination that's in us, Yetzer Hara, runs its course and isn't subdued by, submitted to that which God has given us, which is like him, this is what happens. Genesis 3, 4, 5, 6, 10, 11, 12, and, and on down the road. This is why, by the way, I love Ben's song, right? He just tacked it on at the end there. I don't know if you got that. May I have this dance to forgive the past. I mean, is this not for you and I on this side of Adam and Eve? Is this not what God is doing? Is this not what God has been doing from that moment? Right, the proverbial hand of God being reached out saying, may I have this dance to forgive the past? And I would, sub I would suggest that this is exactly what God's doing prior to Genesis 3 in the story. You know? I mean, do you, how many of you remember junior high? <laughs> right? Do you remember this? 
Remember the snowball dance? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, Sadie Hawkins dance in my khaki pants. Nothing better. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Junior high. Do you remember that awkward moment when, when like one young lad gets up the courage and it's, I mean, just like shaken in his Nikes, you know, like walks over across and like the whole place is watching. It's like this dramatic moment of like, oh my gosh, is it going to happen? He's going, he's going to do it. And he walks over there, right? And what does he do? He stands in front of the subject of his proposal and says, will you dance with me? And there is just so much in that moment, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's desire. There is longing. There is a hope for connection. And it's this like extension of oneself. I'm totally making a big deal out of this, but there's a lot going on in the junior high, right? <laughs> and there's the possibility for what? No thank you. And everybody's watching, right? I, I, I love this metaphor, and I just think it, it captures for me the essence of, of what is happening in this story. As we look at the beginning of the biblical story, what is God doing? Prior to Genesis 3, God is extending God's self to Adam and Eve, to the first humans, and saying, will you dance with me? I promise to protect you, and to love you, and to cherish you, and to long for you, and to desire you, and to be in relationship with you. I promise that. I covenant that to you. And it's this, right, naked and unashamed. It's this naked, just like there's no, it's totally vulnerable for yes, embrace, covenant, connection, right? I mean, this is the beauty of marriage and of sex. This is, this is what's possible in that moment. And I think even, I think after Genesis 3 happens. What happens when 4, 5, 6, 8, 10, 11 chapters down the road when we get pictures, these snapshots of humanity going its own way? We see God over and over and over again extending God's hand saying, will you dance with me? Will you have me? Um, Which, if I could wrap this up, I would say this story is a story about invitation. Uh, from the beginning, it's a story about invitation. It's a story about God offering God's self. And we talk about this a lot. In fact, Christmas Eve was all about this. Um, some of you were here for that. Many of you were not. I think Toph did just a bang-up job on capturing this in kind of the little bumper video that we played. And so we're gonna, I'm going to ask, can we show that again? Um, because I think it totally gets what's happening in this. So if you want to cue that up, go ahead and show that for me, Eric.
mean, for me, whenever I watch this, sometimes I go back on Vimeo and I just watch all the things Toff's made, and uh, it's like dynamite. But when I watch this one, even in the music, I feel like it's this epic kind of sound, you know, like the big bass drum comes in and it's like this kind of moment. And this is it. This is the story of the scriptures. This is, and the, that last part, this is not the end. Man, uh, our falling short, our choosing self over the other, our, you know, when it runs its full course, our killing of one another, our, our humanity at its worst, this is a story that declares, that screams from the rooftops that this is not the end. That this is not the way that it should have gone, but this is not the way it will end. And it is like this triumphant declaration that this is not the end. Uh, It's a story about hope and longing. It's a story about a God who remains faithful, who's this, and, and portrayed as this loving husband who holds out his hand in forgiveness and in restoration and in longing to an unfaithful wife. If we think about the story of how the scriptures talk about God and Israel, and then the church could be indicted of this as well, but this story of a spouse who has been unfaithful and the other who just continually holds out their hand in forgiveness and in hope for restoration. It's a story about a love that, um, that just will not let go. And uh, this is how the story begins. This is uh, a good and loving God who creates this beautiful ecosystem of love that is dependent upon covenant, commitment, and relationship. And it's a story that was written 2,000 years ago, um, and I think it's a story that we find ourselves in today, like right now. And so I guess as we begin this journey, and as, we, uh, as I wrap things up here this morning, I'll invite Ben and the band to come up, but I'll just offer this one um, provocation and thought for you. As we begin this journey, as you leave today, um, this is an old, old book. Uh, and a lot of people have written it off um, for sometimes good reason, other times um, misinformed, whatever. Uh, And it's my personal commitment and belief and trust uh, and something that we hold very dearly at Awaken that this is a book and a story that's actually um, life-giving, that it is has the possibility and the, uh, and, the, and the ability to like literally transform you and me. That it invites us. This is the way by, one of the ways by which the God of creation reveals and offers God's self to you and to me. And so it's a story that's old and 2,000 years ago and longer. And yet, as we look at this progression, creation and deception and Cain and Abel and Whatever story you want to find in this book, I would argue um, this is a story that we find ourselves in, in one way, shape, or form. And so um, it's a story of a God who offers God's self to you and to me. And the question will always remain, uh, what will we do with that? How will we respond to that? Because we are in desperate need to be connected to the God who made us. This is life. This is what life looks like. This is what I trust and believe to be true about the world and about the way in which all of this goes down. 
And so how will we respond? And what will it look like? So that's what we're inviting this community to to, uh, ponder and think about and uh, listen to over this next journey. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.